0: It's the rich, feed the poor, tell not around know the rich no more.
1: I to love to change
2: Deedle, 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 dee, 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 mayday, 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 Chris, mayday. That's where we are today, 5 and uh it's got all kinds of stuff an, an, a riddle wrapped in an enigma mayday <laughs> uh Roger yeah. Saints here. and uh, of course, it's the radio ranch. it's the Friday show and uh not i was I am in back and forth with Brent this morning, and I tried to call him right before the show, and it said he was offline, so I got a message into him. I guess he'll Call in there when he gets it or gets back online or whatever the. Here he comes right now. Whatever the difficulty may be, you never know these days. In all honesty, of course, we got the People's Patriot, Patriot Network. Say that again. There are a People's. myriad of possibilities. <laughs> I'll tell you that's a, just an understatement. People's Patriot Network is our platform, and Hello, Roger. as I said, it's Friday. There's Brent, and here's voice coming through. Morning, Brent. Happy May Day to you. Hello. Happy May Day. Brent, Brent, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, good deal. We can hear you. All right. Well, welcome to Friday. Uh, unusual. The May Day doesn't come around but once a year. You know, as I said before, you got on, Brent. It's a, it's that old. Um, I think it was a Winston Churchill quote: "A riddle rack, wrapped in an enigma." May Day. Um, a lot, lot of history there. It's been. Its been we turned that down, so that obnoxious thing didn't get us for the next hour. Um, it's had some interesting days in my life in May as I look back, especially over the last ten years or so. Brent, how in the world are you doing up there? Hold in? you shut in up there in the upper midwest
3: oh, I, I, I don't do that. I can't remember time gets away from me, but I've been to three grocery stores, I think since last time we talked. And they told me I had to have a mask going in. And I told them it was against my religion. Did I tell you that story?
2: Well, if if you did, it's worth hearing. i got a a good mask story for you, too, from a friend. Go ahead with yours.
3: Well, he said the lady, gal standing there with a mask on. People in the parking lot had masks. I was traveling. And uh, it amazes me watching people pull their mask aside to smoke a cigarette all the things that crazy things that people do. She said you got to have a mask come in here. I said it's against my religion, ma'am. And she said, "And that surprised her. She said it is." She didn't know what to do then. So she turned around to try to find somebody who had authority to deal with the problem, and I walked in. Well, then she said, "You can't go in there." And I said, "Well, that gal there's in here." And she, there was a gal in there without a mask, one out of hundreds. Big store. And I just kept walking, and uh, went in and did what I was going to do. They maybe were looking for me. I don't know. I just kept moving, got my stuff, got out of there. And it happened also. Happened also at Walmart. I was walking in. They had a, a roped off area for a line, but I walked by it, walked by the roped off area, and the man standing there said, "You got to have a mask." Of course, I couldn't understand him. He sounded like he had gravel in his mouth because. So You can't understand people with those blasted masks on. I I just looked at him funny and kept walking, walked around. By the time I got around to the end of the roped off area and came back, he was talking to somebody else, and I walked in. Everybody in Walmart, Super Walmart, everybody there had a mask on. Everybody. I didn't see one person without a mask. and Nobody looked at me funny. I did my thing. I walked around and got different things. And I'm one of these kind of fellows that goes into Walmart, and I don't get a Grocery basket. So by the time I get out of there, I'm barely hanging on to everything I got stuffed stuffed in my pockets, you know. Um, And uh, so I got to the, in both cases, got to the checkout and the lady had a mask on and she said, how are you today? And talked to me and checked me out and said, thank you and have a nice day and didn't say anything about a mask. And I left. This is, this is the, the, well, we're watching We're watching the culmination, the culmination of godlessness. People call it stupidity, sheep. No, it's godlessness. Why? Because Americans and I assume it's true in the rest of the world, have substituted the brains of twerps like Bill Gates for their own brains. They've taken their brains and they've put it in a bucket and pulled out a forty-five caliber and fired a slug into their own brain said, I'll take your brain, Mr. Bill Gates. What do you want me to do? And that's what they're doing. I'll take your brain, Mr. Mrs. Governor. What do you want me to do? Uh, Now, some people have been arrested, thrown in jail. So they say, I do not know one person. I do not know one person that it is said has the coronavirus. I don't know anybody who knows a person. I ask persistently, do you know anybody that's got this virus? Somebody told me a tail cousin of mine got the virus and is now a vegetable. I don't have a clear report on it. I can't get one. Even if it were true uh, that they said she had the virus, I don't believe it because I know every death, every death. I've listened to the testimonies of people working in hospitals, every death, if it's not real sure, if it's a little bit ambiguous as to the cause of death, it's put in the records as death by coronavirus. So it's clear if besides you were, that.
2: I heard the statement pardon? this morning if you were a skydiver and your parachute didn't open, you died of coronavirus.
3: <laughs> somebody sent yeah, I know. Somebody sent me a thing said and he this man told his wife, said, uh, have you gained weight since the lock in? <laughs> and uh and um I forget how it went, but the whole thing at the end of it was he thought she'd always been that fat. And then the it, the cause of death was listed as coronavirus <laughs> because... <laughs> Maybe you sent that to me. I did. Well, well, a lot of us got a laugh out of that one, Roger, because the coronavirus caused the lock-in. The lock-in caused him to make the statement to his wife about her being fat, and that's what caused his death. Well, that's coronavirus. I get it. I get it. I suppose that's called logic, and that just goes to show you again the logic will not get you to the truth naked by itself it takes facts you got to have facts Lo- And uh, to natural to people if their neck is in a noose or their life or their their brain will work like a steel trap well you got to give them the facts and the uh, logic doesn't make much difference back to you roger
2: uh, Cody joined us just then, stuck his mute on. it. Did you see the one? It's been a lot of humor involved in this for the last six weeks. I mean, you're locked up at home, and people get real creative, you know. And certainly, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things to poke a stick at. But I like the one that I think Paul sent. It was a shot from an old movie, and. It shows, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, who Brett Butler and and Scarlett O'Hara, you know, and he's drinking and says something, and the girl says, is that the liquor talking? And he goes, no, that's me talking to the liquor. (laughs) 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 No, there's been some real funny stuff out there, and it's nice to throw it around with some of this instant communication stuff we got these days, and... Uh, Get a good laugh out of it, lighten it a bit, but it's certainly a serious situation. It's an amazing thing that they've been able to pull this off, and that it seems to be as uh, commonplace, if you want to put that way. Even though it's engineered, commonplace a ailment as it is, and all the hubbub. And obviously, they jumped on board and are using it for their advantages to cover their uh, certainly their their economic situation. Because uh, it was long broken before the coronavirus, okay? Uh, and uh, so it, it's interesting. There's a lot of facets of it. We're going to have repercussions maybe for some of us for the rest Paul of our lives. Paul has been forwarded
1: to an automated voice messaging okay, system.
2: Okay, all right, hold Seven, on. Zero, all right, two, let me five. remove Chris and try and call him again. Uh Uh, at Microsoft. I'm so aggravated with Bill Gates just over Skype. Doesn't even feed over into the rest of this. Uh,
3: Well, the boy ought to be horsewhipped. There's no question about it. And some of these governors ought to be horsewhipped. Yes, sir.
2: Well, they're going to be. They're going to be. I can tell you two right off. Michigan and Maine. Michigan and Maine.
3: Jail, jail's too good for them. Yes,
2: it it is. People keep talking jail time. I'm going way. This is way past jail time turf. Okay, jail time was the 50 yard line. We're way down in the red zone here.
4: Joel, did y'all see the injunction that uh, Darren Bailey got against the uh, Illinois governor the other day? No. I sent it to y'all but maybe missed it. Who who is this Bailey? Who's Bailey? Darren Bailey is a representative. I think he was just elected senator. Maybe he's already filled the senator seat. I'm not sure. I believe he was elected. He's uh down in Zania, I think, is where so he covers I think just not not quite. I believe I I'm not sure. You'd have to check them out. He uh, he injunction but it was only personally wasn't any kind of a class action you can read the uh, story yeah. on edgar county watchdogs
2: well injunction oh, yeah. and, uh, against illinois injunction leaks injunction against what this was brought, brought by a state senator he was okay filing well, an in... well hold on okay. well, filing... uh, go ahead
4: okay it's an injunction against the uh the quarantine order because there is a state emergency management law that's been voted on by the legislature that supersedes the governor's authority. So, basically, because that law exists, that's what he used to go to the judge and say that the governor is superseding, you know, the legislative law. So, he got it personally. It wasn't because he was a representative or a senator. It was just, it was because the governor is superseding a law that was actually voted on by the legislature, which, you know, obviously would supersede his authority. And uh, so that, that was some good news. And, but, and I was going to mention to Brent, you know, isn't this the reason that we have coroners is so that we don't have random doctors and, uh, you know, make, you know, typically they're elected coroners so that we don't have, you know, doctors doing dishonest things. Cody? And I haven't heard that talked about much lately.
2: Coroner is above the sheriff in ultimate authority in the county. Is my understanding, isn't that yours, Brent?
3: Well, no, I never had that understanding, but I do know the coroner becomes the sheriff in the event the sheriff uh, is deceased, or I mean, he's he's right there. He's he's a powerful powerful party. The coroner and the coroners, though, are supposed to determine the cause of death. Correct. But I've noticed that the coroners. The coroners in the counties I've seen in my travels and watched what happens uh, don't do, don't do what they're supposed to do, and there's a lot of shenanigans goes on. There's murders that go yes. on that are covered up, yes and that, yeah, that, that should happen, but it doesn't happen, and besides that, there is an, a mania. don't tell me that there's not a spirit. That causes this madness, that causes people to suck in and panic and wear masks like they do. Have they lost their minds? Every hospital mm-hmm. worker in America knows you don't wear a mask in the hospital when you have to wear one. You don't wear it for very long. You take it off, throw it in the trash, and change it yep. 20 minutes max. Yep. Well, those are simple things. Masks are dangerous. And of course, the Bible says that you're to quarantine. People that are sick, not people that are well. And I've heard several medical doctors say that recently on the media, that we are quarantining the wrong people. Again, this is madness, and I am amazed. How is there a spirit that comes from an evil personage like Bill Gates? Yes, I say evil. There's something wrong with that man. Of course, his father was the chief abortionist in the world. The head here in America of abortion, the one that wanted to get rid of all the little black babies and weed the garden. He was a racist and Bill Gates is, too. You can't tell me he isn't, but he's wanting to kill people. They've got lawsuits against him in India for killing people and in Africa, and he doesn't care. He has billions, so he feels like he's untouchable, but I know he isn't untouchable. I know he isn't. And uh, payday comes someday, always. I'd like to see it sooner than later. But as you said, jail, we're past jail, but from my perspective, Roger, jail was never an option, and it never ought to be an option. It's not part of what God says we're supposed to do in such cases, Jails are part and dungeons are part of the evil empire. They're not part of our common law tradition, never have been. They've crept in, but they're still even though they're here. They're not part of our common law tradition. We tend to think throwing a man or a woman in a cage solves our problems, and now we're jailing more persons per capita than any country on the faces of God's green earth. Yeah. Back to you.
2: Um no, and I think that the the remedy for treason is death by hanging according to the founding documents and this certainly bill gates Fauci, scarf woman uh and you just start going down the list all the stuff that's come out in the last couple of days out of the fbi on this matt flynn case i mean these people are getting hammered with exposure and right now, people are sitting at home, and they're PO'd, they're aggravated, they're looking for answers, and a whole bunch of them are into this area of alt-thinking and alt-doctors, Dr. Batar, Dr. Shiva, uh, the other things that are happening. And uh, it, this is going to blow back on them. They've lost their cover.
3: okay? Well, I can see they've lost their cover. This is not a surprise to yours truly, because I've been in the position of General Flynn, I know how it works, and I've tried to defend people that have been in that position. This is nothing new. It isn't really getting worse. It's always been this ugly. Yeah, the right. feds have always been this ugly, always been this lawless. Ever since that little, what do you call him, girly boy, Hoover, took over the FBI and all that promotion, Alcatraz, and we got to have federal law enforcement. You know, there's, if there's treason... I always thought it was kind of curious. If you get picked up and tried for treason, every one of the states of the United States has uh, laws against treason, uh, treason against the state. And, of course, if you can convict a man or a woman of treason against one of our states of the United States, as was John Brown, for instance, he was hung for treason against the state of Virginia, well, then... What are you going to do when it comes to treason against the United States? You only get one crack at a guy like that. But what, the question, though, is what is treason? By the way, Daryl Wayne is trying to call. Are you there, Roger? I'm,
2: I'm here. Oh. I had not seen him show up trying to call. He must have hit. I don't know what it is. Daryl's. I think he's traveling today, and he may be calling oh. on his other phone. I can try and hook him up through that while you continue what uh, the uh, train oh, of thought well. you
3: were on. Okay, just I saw something pop up and I wanted to pass it along. But treason, treason is only one of the four crimes that the feds have jurisdiction over. I know that sounds crazy now that they've got six, seven thousand statutes against crimes at the federal level. But there are only four possibilities, uh, according to the Constitution of the United States, in limiting the power of the general government. Hello,
1: you have reached the oh, voicemail for four one four.
2: All right. Sorry. I was trying to patch Daryl in.
3: That's all right. No, I hope you get him patched in. He's always fun to listen to. But um, treason is uh, only one of the four. There's, of course, uh, violations of international law or constitution mentioned that. And then uh, counterfeiting the current coin and securities of the United States, it mentions that one. And then it mentions... uh, treason of course too but treason's the only one that it defines and as justice story says if treason is not defined well then it becomes open-ended an open-ended tool for people in government to crush their political enemies which tom jefferson by the way tried to do when he ordered his prosecutors to go after aaron burr for treason that was thin Thin, thin, so thin you could see right through it. But he wanted to get Burr because he hated him. You know, Burr isn't the the, the criminal people have made him out to be. He just never got in power. He was vice president. He wanted to run for president. He was grandson, of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was called the greatest intellect America has ever produced. He's he Jonathan Edwards is to America, what John Wycliffe is to England. John Wycliffe is yet called today the phloxoni, the flower of Oxford scholarship, the smartest man whatever lived in England, they say. Well, that's the way Jonathan Edwards was. His grandson, Edwards, was uh, second president of Princeton. By the way, this figures in real good. Here's what Jonathan Edwards did. He wrote a lot of books. He was a fundamentalist, a Presbyterian. And he wrote a lot of books, good books about the Bible. And of course, he wrote a, the only commentary he ever wrote was a commentary on the book of Revelation, a commentary on the Bible. That was unusual. But when uh, smallpox was a big danger, he volunteered. He was about 60 some years old. I forget how much. He volunteered to take the smallpox vaccination, which was experimental at that time. And the reason it was experimental was they hadn't figured out how to keep the dosage low enough that it wouldn't kill you. And about 10% of the people, at least, that were vaccinated died. They got the pox and died. And Jonathan Edwards took the vaccination because, well, he took it. And it killed him. He got the disease and it killed him. Really? Well, Yeah. Uh-huh. And there were a lot of a lot of folks that happened to. You know, even that was in about... 1760 something, 1765. But then, of course, when the the war, the war with Britain broke out, King George's King George's handlers decided they would infect the American population with smallpox and wipe out the population of the American colonies and take it back. And so George Washington said, "Okay," he got wind of it, and they were going to do it through the slave population, by the way. They had it all planned out, and uh, General Washington got wind of it, and he decided, well, they can wipe out the, the population of the colonies, of which there were between two and a half, three million people. but I can't let them wipe out the Army. We're going to win this war no matter what. So he asked the Army if they would volunteer to take the vaccination, and they did. The Continental Army volunteered to take the vaccination. They, did it in, they knew if the if the pox killed them, they'd lose the war. And they knew they were the ones that had to volunteer. They figured their lives weren't worth much anyway by that time. So they staggered about a third and a third and third because uh, it would take a couple of weeks to heal the vaccination. They couldn't control, didn't know how to control the amount of pox. And uh, so the, you took the vaccination, you would got in scabs all over and it would take a couple of weeks where you could get back up and be uh, physically able to do anything. So they went in shifts, and then they would rub sulfur. They'd try to get in a barn or something where they would stay, and they'd take the vaccination, and then they would be near a pond where they get down the water, rub sulfur into each other's back, try to get some relief, which they did. Uh, I say that on the testimony of J.P. Martin. J.P. Martin, Joseph Plum Martin, in his his memoirs called uh, The Struggles and the Hardships of a Continental Soldier. He served from age 16 to age 23, I believe, and he went through that. Back to you, Roger. you're an awful awful yeah.
2: noise in the background uh, daryl's joined us and 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 i think there's a little noise coming in from his connection hey daryl welcome aboard man
5: well good morning i'm sorry for that it, that's okay uh, it's it sounds good on sounds good over here
2: uh it's you know yeah. what it is is these hey, microphones Brent. are so sensitive that it's picking up some just the ambient noise or you breathing and and stuff like that and uh so but that's okay it just degraded a little bit it didn't, just takes away a little bit it makes people work to listen when that kind of you know that stuff happens <laughs> and that's all right maybe because they may be okay. paying closer attention you know yeah. anyway welcome happy yeah. may day to you may day may day
5: yeah yeah may day uh Day. pan 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 uh they uh in aviation uh when you're trying to get everybody's attention, your uh, your uh, radio broadcast announcement is to say, pan, pan. So this is supposed to go everywhere. And then uh, if it escalates, you go into uh, mayday, mayday. And then uh, depending upon what's going on, you might declare a uh, – uh, there's two situations. One is a fuel advisory where – you tell air traffic control, well, listen. If uh, if you mess around with me here and delay me any, I'm going to have a fuel problem. And uh, and uh, if you escalate from there, you just declare a full bone fuel emergency or whatever. You, you go into emergency where you get uh, absolute priority handling. Well, uh, why would I I drag everybody through all that? Well. I'm uh, I'm on my radio right now with you and our esteemed uh, crew member, Mr. Brent Winters, and uh, I'm yelling, broadcasting clearly, "Mayday, Mayday," <laughs> and uh, we have a uh, we have a full-blown emergency going on here. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very apparent to me, and uh, so according to my training. And my training is that uh, – I, I don't say this to be braggadocious or exude some sort of uh, fictitious honorary vestige upon myself. But my training requires me and is in conditioned into me that when I experience an emergency, I become a man of action. And uh, this, this just is a default position. There There isn't even any hesitation. You just go into action. And uh, of course, here on the ground, it sort of happens relative to the air. It, it happens in slow motion, and uh, we we as a culture have slowly been put on simmer, and now we've been put on high boil. It's uh, on a on a fast boil. You know, like when you're canning, Brent, and you, you you can you can simmer things, or you can put them on a hard boil. Well, this this culture is getting boiled they're getting cooked and uh i uh i called in early and i'm I'm sort of buttoning in a little bit here because at any moment uh, a dhl truck is going to show up here and want to want a parcel that's going to england so i have to uh, i i want to be here <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh and uh you you were talking here earlier and i caught a little bit of it um and uh, you know, I, I tell you, Brent and Roger, we have we have this condition for for all the reasons you stated. And I, I want to go back and address my uh, my uh, my grandparents' uh, parents' generation, and my grandparents, and my parents, and our generation. I want to put the last four of those. ...on the uh, on front and center here. The reason, the reason we're experiencing the high boil here is because throughout all those years, all those generations, it's my opinion, that uh, all these crimes were allowed to go on unabated. They were never redressed, and the people were slowly, slowly induced or compelled to uh, become compliant... Or they became complacent, or they became complicit. And uh, any way you cut it, in those in the face of a crime, of course you're being a lawyer. I uh, I stand I stand here bare naked, ready to be redressed for having a misunderstanding. But in my understanding, Brent, that makes everybody an accessory to the crime. And yeah. and and uh, once you become an accessory to a crime you're made you're a maid and you're vested and you will defend that in every every little weasley sneaky illicit way that you can back out of accountability you will whether you're a good guy or a nice woman or whatever you propose yourself to be or want to be represented as you will you will find a way to weasel out of it and uh I think the wiggle room is gone. I think the wiggle room is all gone. That's what I think. And uh, so, you know, you know, here, here I am, Mr. Cheerful. You know, cheering everybody up. Well, so
2: <laughs> you just look around a little bit of the economic landscape. You know, your our buddies at Boeing—they couldn't get the government handout because that's just too obnoxious considering all the water under the bridge. So they had to go and float a $25 billion bond issue, which went out oversubscribed. There's a good article on Zero Hedge. It's all about Boeing today. And uh, the background, I did not know that Boeing was a reverse takeover. With McDonnell Douglas, they actually used McDonnell Douglas to take over Boeing and they staffed it with those people, and they're the ones that have put the bean counters in charge and have caused all this mayhem, okay? (laughs) So, but that's just Boeing. That's just Boeing (laughs) and the aircraft and the fact that Boeing, you know, it has this, Uh, it's got a little tag out beside it. It's like the country's biggest exporter. But then let's go over to the car. Let's go over to the car manufacturers. The car manufacturers have dropped unbelievable in new car sales just last month, obviously. But what they don't talk about is the disaster in the subprime auto loan market and all of them that are getting repossessed right now by people utilizing self-help remedies. Seizure. Okay. And so there's another. The housing market it's just going to be an absolute disaster. So there's your props on the economy. There's three. The biggest exporter in the country, the car industry, yeah. and the housing industry. And if there was an outhouse out, out back, that's where they'd be. Okay?
5: Well, it's, it's their privy to take your privy. Uh, listen, I, I don't think it's going to be a disaster. I think it's going to uh, accomplish exactly what the objective was. And that's to rape, pillage, and plunder. And uh, I guess it just depends if uh, what side of the financial arrangement you're on. On one side of it, you're going to do really well. On the other side, uh, you're going to be subject to peonage. So uh, I don't know. Oh, I know what you mean. You mean that the uh, normal Jane Doe and John Doe are going to be disaster. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh I don't know how much more evidence people need. Uh how much what what is the suffering level that has to be uh experienced before you soften your stiff neck and actually you know come to terms. Uh, I don't know how much suffering that is, you know. Uh I guess sometimes it's quite a bit. And
3: uh I don't know, Roger. Brent, what do you? Yeah, Daryl. What are Africa. you?
4: personal
3: question yeah yeah is your name up in iowa daryl wayne or is it just daryl wayne down in uh south alabama it's it's uh it's daryl wayne
5: yeah it's It's daryl wayne
3: Wayne. yeah i i don't well
5: I'll, i'll be i'll be very direct about it i i never use my surname i never use it because that's uh that's a uh, that's a commercial name. I, I use my Christian name. Uh, huh. I call I I take the name of what my mom calls my my mom calls me son or Daryl Wayne. So that's that is oh,
3: that's, my real name though. My my no man. Yeah, I get it. That's my mother has always done that too. She calls me Brent Allen, uh, especially yeah. when i You know. But. Well, my, my my
5: last name, my surname is uh, is Dutch. <clears throat> it's very Dutch because uh our uh, we hailed from around Pella Iowa which is a very dutch uh community yeah and uh i was ra- i was raised around reformed dutch and uh i realized very early on in my life as, uh, before i was even 10 years old that if you weren't dutch you weren't much and uh they uh they uh, uh talk about a uh talk about an interesting group of people you know they uh they opened up a liquor store in Pella, Iowa. And uh <laughs> I probably told you this before. No,
3: I haven't heard they, this. Go
5: ahead. Oh yeah, they they open this is a true story, you know. Uh back in the back in the uh late seventies, I think it was a Iowa State went to a Iowa State liquor stores and uh they opened so they opened a liquor store up in uh Pella, Iowa, the home of the Dutch Reform. Uh, Van, Vermeer, Vermeer Manufacturing, Impella Roll Screen Windows, that might be familiar to people. Oh, I know and, uh,
3: Vermeer. Yeah. I that's and, where he's from
5: yeah. then. Yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, so, anyway, uh, you know, I got relatives that uh, work in both those places. And uh, oh. anyway, so they opened this liquor store up in Pell, Iowa, and uh, uh, nobody goes to it. It's it has the, the <laughs> lousiest sales in all of Iowa. It's just like, well, why did we open a liquor store in Pella, Iowa? These these Dutchmen aren't drinking. What's yeah. going on? Uh-huh. Well, all you had to do was travel another twenty-two miles, twenty-three miles, and go over to Knoxville, Iowa, and uh, all the Dutchmen were lined up over there at the at the at the <laughs> liquor store. But they they didn't want to have their car or their pickup. Uh, seen by the other people in Pella, uh-huh. uh, would drive by the Pella liquor store. Well, you know, I still want to go to my Dutch Reform and be pious on the weekends and have the uh, the best seats. You uh-huh. know, you you know, I I I under I I didn't understand it then, but I I saw what Judaism and uh, its uh, its flattering images and and prestige was about by watching the Dutch Reform. I, oh, I didn't right. realize this till
3: later. You know, Did you go to but, a church uh, like that when you were a kid? Is that the kind of church you went to?
5: Uh, well, that's the one they tried to make me go to. But I didn't pay any attention because uh, at the ripe old age of 8 and 10 years old, I realized I was surrounded by a bunch of really nasty, mean, evil, lying, hypocritical, creepy people. So I didn't pay them any mind. You know, that was my, my, experience, my experience with... Uh, the Bible and the, the word of Jesus Christ and the gospel was in the face of people that were gaming it. Of course, I, I didn't have a sophisticated way of explaining this, but, uh, you know, I, in my heart I knew they were a bunch of frauds. And uh, because they, they, uh, their actions were completely, completely in contradiction as to, uh, you know, what I was hearing. I'd hear one thing and read something. And then I'd see something completely different by those who claim to be pious. Well, listen, I don't want anything to do with your goofy religion and your 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 cockamamie ideas.
3: <laughs> Did they is, is it true that they they pay for the best seats in the church and if you're a, a member you have to pay a lot of money to sit up front or wherever you want to sit?
5: Oh sure, sure. This is these are the elders and their and their white sepulchres, yeah. Yeah, this 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 uh, this tag that's been put on to, to Jews, uh, you know, and, and and it's all true. But it, it, this goes on in uh, all kinds of uh, uh, Christian divisions. Uh, there, you know, and uh, you, you see it all over the place. You know, uh, pandering, pandering to each other, and it, it's just disgusting.
1: <laughs>
3: well, oh, I'm just I. Excited. You told me some of those stories I'd forgotten. You'd said that's where old man Vermeer invented that little piece that enabled him to build a a machine that made the round bale. Isn't that the guy that did that?
5: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. They also became very well known for their trenching and digging machines. But, uh, five years ago, they, their whole, their whole facility, pretty much brand new facility, pretty much got wiped out by a tornado. I think they've Uh rebuilt it since, but, uh. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, so you know, hypocrisy knows no limits, and uh, delusion, and uh, so you know, you if if you want to follow the gospel, I think in my life experience, if if you want to uh, if you want to study and read the gospel, your your best your best bet is to uh, uh, read it yourself. And uh, and uh, and be very careful to who you listen to. Okay, I'm with they, they might have an ulterior motive.
3: Yeah. And boy, <laughs> this the situation with this planned demic P L A N N E D. Shows that again. It reminded me again, and it reminded me how important it is that we don't listen, well, we can listen, no, no, we need to listen to other people, but in the final analysis, you got to go to the book yourself, and you, you got to, if you don't, if you don't, you've substituted somebody else's brain for your own, and if you do that, you have spit in the mm-hmm. face of your maker, and most everybody that claims Christianity, has been my observation, does that to varying degrees, to varying degrees, we all are guilty of it, but we've got to We've got to. God wants us to pursue uh, His mind ourselves personally, without any mediator between us and Him. There is no mm-hmm. mediator between mm-hmm. God and man, except the Man Christ Jesus, who, yeah. by the way, yeah. happens to be God. So we're okay there. But no, I, this has driven that home to me. This pandemic thing. I see people. Mm-hmm. They, as I said, put their brains in buckets and fire a forty-five slug into it.
2: Well, you know, I think it says. <laughs> I think it says in there, (laughs) seek wise counsel, doesn't it, Brent?
3: Oh, no question.
2: It doesn't say just seek counsel. It says seek wise counsel.
3: The Bible says that God has given teachers to the church. I get it. Okay, I need to listen, and I do and always have. But as I grow older and uh, God wants us to mature and he wants us to, to make our relationship with him, as John Wycliffe said, under the open vault of heaven, to have a direct connection, no institution, no church, no university, no government, no preacher, no priest between me and my maker. Back to you, whoever was talking. Was that you, Daryl, that said something?
2: I was going to no, it was me. I was going to say for the oh, last I... couple of minutes that I know when see, <laughs> when Daryl moved to how long you been in Abilama now, Daryl? It'll
5: be, uh, as of, uh, as of, uh, May 11th, it'll be 10
2: years. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. when you mo- first moved down there, one of the things that you very quickly realized is if you live in the South, you got to have two first names to get along. <laughs> okay. Well, uh,
5: that's, that's why I call myself Darrell <laughs> That's why I know. That's
2: why I was, I was just making it clear for everybody. Uh, 832. <laughs> we got a new listener here. 832 area code. I finally got you hooked up. I think so. I wanted to find out who you are. Hello, welcome,
6: Charlie Walker,
0: a friend oh. of Brent.
2: Okay, Charlie. Glad to have you along. I just
0: wanted to, I just wanted to say about the the coroner. Most counties don't have a coroner anymore. They removed them with the with the common law courts. Like just the major metropolitan areas, I believe, have coroners.
2: Well, I know there was a real crooked one down in Arkansas that oversaw uh, oversaw those two boys murdered on the train tracks, and the coroner was the one that was calling the shots in that whole cover up.
0: Yeah, well, all like you say, all people in government are evil. But I mean, that's, that's they um, <clears throat> they are attracted to that position. Yeah. Anyway,
3: well, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie, I got. I think about you once in a while. I'm glad you called. Are you, are you fully retired from your former profession or and drilling wells, or what are you doing?
0: <laughs> no, I'm still busy. Still busy. Not, not flying. Age 65 retirement. But, I mean, I fly my own plane still. Anytime you come down.
3: Okay. Okay, and all is well otherwise. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I'm. I'm. Uh... <laughs> Do better than I deserve. I'm luckiest person ever lived. I believe. <laughs>
2: well,
3: good to hear from you, Charlie.
2: Well, we're glad to have you yeah, along, good, Charlie. You're part, and you're
0: part of that. Good. Thank you for all your your books and everything. Enjoy it. But um, I want to I want to put emphasis on the Bill of Rights. With all the studying. I mean, it, it's so simple. It's written so simple, and it's above all other laws. It, you know, um, Charlie it's the only law ratified by all
2: the states in the system the system the way they've got it set up i don't know how much you listen to us around here but that you're right except the problem is the way the system is set up and instituted you don't have access to them in your political status currently
6: that's that correct. that's yeah. just the hard
2: cold truth of it. You're a person under the Fourteenth Amendment. They've used the Fourteenth Amendment yes. to drag in the yes. feudal yes. system, <laughs> and everyone is considered in that condition from birth unless you rectify it because it is voluntary. Uh,
0: Absolutely, yeah. The, the first sentence of the Fourteenth Amendment it says it all. It's it sure like, does. Uh, subject to and reside but yeah i listen every almost every day
2: good charlie uh well actually you know it's funny as i've as i think this through over the years the whole thing hinges on the first three words all persons born <laughs> right from there on everything's a done deal if they can institute that system <laughs> and bring the rest of it in and you see the results so thanks, good well, call in. I'll identify you on your profile so I don't have to call you back. That's what the delay was in me getting back to you. So I'm sorry, but this another bill. A, this another Bill Gates deal. <laughs> but we sure appreciate I, I, I you calling good in. I got a question for Charlie. Okay, good. Deal. I got a question okay. for
5: Charlie. Charlie, hey Charlie, want you? Hey, okay. yeah. What kind of uh, what, what kind of aircraft are you flying, Charlie?
0: I was flying the Embraer 145. But... United Express yeah but I had a jungle jet that's a good yeah yeah. that's
5: a good that's a good airplane that's a good airplane yeah who are you flying that for
0: It was United Express
5: yeah yeah I have an off-and-on career
0: from from the 80s just doing engineering and flying and I'm I'm Mm -hmm. not really good at any one thing it's just a little bit of everything <laughs>
5: yeah, <laughs> well, I understand that. That's uh, that would uh, yeah, well, you, you always as long as you always get get home and you can walk away from the landing, you know, that's yeah,
0: you know, yeah my old I joke was that I appreciate yeah. your heyday comments and pan pan and all that, yeah,
5: yeah, I did well, Which you know, when I was when I was flying when I was flying Beechcraft 1900s, we had a really hard landing in Madison, Wisconsin one day and we had a full airplane and we're taxiing in and I got on the PA and I said, ladies and gentlemen, as we taxi what's left of this aircraft back to the gate, I said I'd like to tell you and appreciate I, I'd like to thank you and appreciate for flying on United Express. Of course we were we were Skyway Airlines at the time and I got a big laugh out of that. And I said I just wanted I just wanted to make it make it perfectly clear to you that that wasn't the captain's fault and uh, that wasn't the co pilot's fault. That ladies and gentlemen was called the asphalt. And uh, got another big laugh, and, and uh, nobody,
0: uh, nobody complains. You're supposed to get it down firm. You get lose fifteen percent of the energy on that on the touchdown. You know, folks. I
5: I I understand. I understand all that, Charlie. But we're we're talking about the uh, the tush the tushes of the flying public. So yeah. <laughs> hey,
3: Charlie. Yeah. Charlie, uh, I just looked on my phone and. I don't know why, but you're, I don't see your number in my phone for some, maybe I got a new phone. Yeah,
0: me too. I've been trying to get in contact with you, but my phone, it, it, um, got destroyed.
3: Oh, okay. Well, can you go to the, go to the, uh, go to the website, commonlawyer.com and send me
0: your contact
3: information. Cause I did kind of, well, I lost track of you. Uh, Charlie took my son and me in his aeroplane. It wasn't anything fancy, but it was nice. Nice of him, and he he gave <laughs> us a ride. You gave us a ride. Where were we? What was the name of that place down there? It
0: wasn't Charlie? fancy. That was a two-thousand model one seventy-two. It cost a half a million dollars, man.
3: well, trying. it it wasn't like you were fly, <laughs> flying a biz jet or something. But I knew that it was. Uh, <laughs> It was an expense to you, but you were kind enough to take me up, and you put my son in the front seat, and you let him fly the plane a little. That's what I remembered.
0: Yeah, it was from Austin to Kerrville.
3: Okay, yeah, that's what uh, Kerrville, I remember. And we had to get back on an airplane. But anyway, go any rate, please go to the website, and uh, yeah, hook back up with me.
0: I will. Thanks,
6: Brent.
3: Thank, Thank you, you Charlie, Charlie, for yeah, Thanks,
2: Charlie, for calling in. I got you identified there, so next time it won't be as much problem getting back with you. Jim Ram joined us there in that fury of activity. Hey, Jim, you still on?
4: Yeah, I'm still here. How's it
7: going, everybody? Good, good. I am uh, good doing another first for BPN. Uh, I'm doing my first Friday show live. <laughs> Up to this point, they all been uh, replays, oh. but... Um, I am uh, currently circling the Ohio State House here down here in Columbus. There's going to be a large uh, Reopen Ohio rally, and people are already coming in. It doesn't start till 1 o'clock, but I see a lot of folks, families, and everybody walking around with flags and stuff. And uh, I'm going to have uh, uh, Paul in uh, the U.K. is going to be running or doing the engineering stuff for me again, and we're going to do a live remote, so... Anybody that is interested can continue listening when Roger shows over, and uh, we'll be doing a live show from the uh, Restore America, Restore Ohio rally here. At, uh, and they've got uh, Columbus Police is lining the road, and uh, we've got TV channels out. There's probably about 75, 80 people here already in front of the State House, and uh, looking pretty good. Crappy day compared to what was last week. We had beautiful sunny weather today. It it's all lovely. cloudy and threatening to rain.
2: <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, I got it. I told both Jim and Paul they did a real good job on that. It was sparsely attended that day, it looked like but it was a beautiful, sunny, nice day, spring day up there and Jim did a great job walking around and Paul running the board behind it and it just came off real well. I bet today it'll come off even better.
7: Yeah, hopefully we'll see how things work. I'm just uh, driving. I, I may lose you because I'm getting ready to go into the underground parking at the state house. Uh, we'll see what the signal's like down here. Okay. Good <laughs> but, deal, But uh, just wanted to call in real quick and let people know I didn't have a chance to put anything out otherwise. So I thought I'd just uh, commandeer your show for a second Good to plan. A, a shameless announcement. Good plan. <laughs> but
2: people, people uh, I'll go ahead here. and sign
7: off for now.
2: People commandeer us all the time. We welcome it. Thanks, Jim. Uh, I'll be sure and plug that as we get to the top of the show and closing out. And uh, I have a good time down there. Talk to some nice people and keep your eye peeled for the old stars and bars flying in the crowd. Okay.
7: All righty, will do. You guys take care. Have a great weekend.
2: Thank you, Jim. Thanks for checking in. That's good. Okay. Appreciate all that. uh, where do we want to go with uh, Charlie Came In and all of that stuff? Do you all want to take this in any other direction? We were kind of talking about the demise of the economy, uh, and it, it's just I a foregone do, do. conclusion, boy. We got, I, I think the old Dwayne Eddy song was 40 Miles of Bad Road. Do you remember that from when you were a kid? Remember that, Brent?
6: yeah well this is 80
2: miles of really terrible road ahead of us uh many of us we will not see the ends of this yeah Yeah, just a second i'll turn it over to you we many of us will not see the ends of this in our lifetime now go ahead daryl
5: well charlie brings out when charlie was talking he uh, he brought out something really important i appreciate his awareness of the uh the differences in status but uh, you, you made the comment of the feudal system, and uh, I, I want to just pry that open a little bit more for people's uh, awareness, situational awareness in this. Uh, the, the, the feudal system involved more than just uh, a, a contract or an oath and an allegiance. It, it had a financial component, and it had a political component. And uh, it, I think it's important to be able to distinguish the effects of that. Uh, of course, they're tied in together; they're directly and intimately. Uh, they hinge upon each other, but uh, they they have some. There's some distinctions there, and uh, so the the debt peonage, the peonage, and in, in the and in the debt feudal system, the debt slavery, is this financial side of this usurious. Uh, uh, financial side and the, the capitalism that we've experienced is built upon this this basis of, uh, of feudalism and uh, and its avarice and then so then we have the uh, political side of this which is associated with uh, status standing and capacity and and uh, of course they they obfuscate that with contracts so and uh, without. Uh, full disclosure, uh, they ostensibly it's for a benefit. So uh, anyway, I, I just want to throw that in there. There's there's there, there's there's two components there. So anyway,
2: people can't identify do do it, Daryl, because they, they have they can't yeah. look at it. And they, many have lost or never had the ability to think conceptually. And that's how they've pulled it off. It goes back to that Eleanor Roosevelt quote, for those of you who haven't heard that, something I picked up years ago, and I started thinking about the quote because I thought it was an, a, a nifty little quote, and then I started applying it as I thought it through, and boy, did the curtains part because it just opened up everything for me. This about 10 years ago. And Eleanor Roosevelt, most unlikely of sources from this when you really think about it, uh Small minds talk about people, medium minds talk about events, but large minds talk about concepts, and that's how they pull this off, and if you can train yourself to look at this and start to think conceptually, you'll get a lot further down the path a lot faster.
5: Well, what did her husband say, Roger? Brent, well, he said, did, a what, what of, he said a lot. He said a lot
2: of stuff. <laughs> uh, most, you know, well, well, fit, we
6: have nothing to fear but fear itself. Okay,
5: so right there, right there, he he's telling you, okay, that this is all just a boogeyman, and the only thing that you have to fear is fear itself. Well, Brent, isn't isn't that Roger? Isn't that what we're seeing people? Uh, experience and they're manifesting this behavior. Is they're they're fearful and they're just they're afraid of fear. Yep. And uh, and of course they're being driven and uh, and herded like animals uh, through their fear.
2: Some of them and, have, uh, some of uh, them have passed fear and they're in the panic mode.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Oh, no question, they're panicked out of their minds. I've, I'm shocked, and you don't know what's going on inside of people. They look normal, but you get to talking to them. <laughs> Some of these folk, and and this is true throughout life, though, and all the time. This is just another thing. The Bible says more than any other command in the Bible is the commands expressed different ways. Fear not or be not afraid. And the word means several things. The the connotations of the word in the Older Testament means to shy away from, to even be shy from. You know, we are to fear, to shy away from the Lord. It says that. The beginning of wisdom is the shying away, the, the hesitation, knowing who he is and knowing what he can do. He can cast body and soul into hell and, by the way, promises to do so and, uh, with some folk. He, he's the one we should fear and he's the one he saves ourselves from. I keep saying, I want to remind myself, we're not saved from hell ultimately, we're saved from him. Because he's the one that promises to cast men into hell in the final analysis. Reject his remedy for their law breaking. But the idea of fear is... uh, The reason we're afraid is because we don't know the future. The reason we're afraid is because we don't know the future. And we worry about things we don't know are are even going to happen. But God says, I am the commander of the future. Don't look at tarot cards. Don't look at crystal balls. Don't go to an astrologer. Uh, that's a capital crime in my book. He says, I'm the master of the future. No, you aren't the master of your future. I am. And the way you can know the future, says God, is by looking at my law. Because in my law, it tells you what will happen given a specific instance, a specific set of circumstances, the un- unavoidable, unavoidable consequences of either obeying me or not obeying, or all obeying me are all there. Uh, so, uh, you know, the future and it all depends upon your behavior, period, into sentence, into paragraph. That's it. And that's what he tells us. That's how he prophesies the future. And then the prophets, of course, of the Older Testament, the 17 prophets just came along and read the law of God. And they said, well, the law of God here says that if we do this, we get this. And if we do this, we get that. If we obey, we get life. And if we disobey, we get death. And, of course, there's more detail than that. And they looked at the law of God and they said, wait a minute. They looked around and said, we're doing these things. Whoa, we're doomed. And that's right. They were doomed. By the time the prophets came on the scene, read the law of God, it was too late. They were just pronouncing judgment in most all instances. That's all it amounted to. And we can see that, too. But then the question for God's remnant, God's remnant, his leftovers, to be more to the American English, <laughs> that's us, is what are we to do in the face of this madness where people are going to hell in a blasted handbasket or getting thrown down the chute? I was reading yesterday we were having fun. I was having fun. I was on some platform, but I, we were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. I mentioned this preacher I heard back home, and he was on the radio. He was from South Central Tennessee, and he was on the Moody Radio up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he was preaching, and he said, when I was a boy growing up, he was a black guy, old black preacher. He said, when I was growing up, and now South Tennessee, all us boys thought that it was Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. And they thought that that was... <laughs> 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 oh, man, did I laugh. And then he, he said, well, I know things like that are true. Well, there were things like that when I was growing up that I thought were the case. I had an aunt that, well, Aunt LaVon, <laughs> that we used to sing a song at church. And the name of the song was uh, Gladly the Cross I'd Bear. Gladly the Cross I'd Bear. Well, Aunt LaVon thought that that was a song about a big furry critter with an optical problem. A cross eyed <laughs> Bear. <laughs> uh, I had a. I'm, I'm trying to teach my daughter the Ten Commandments years ago, and she she's grown and married now. But uh, she would recite in the Ten Commandments as a little girl, and she said, "Thou shalt not take." <laughs> I can't say this without laughing. She said, "Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord by God in vain." <laughs> <laughs> Well, so uh, this fella preaching about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hit a note with me because I know that's the way little children are. I can remember those kind of things as a kid, but uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, of course, they wouldn't bow down to the idol made of gold, the totem, 90 foot tall, 60 cubits high, 9 cubits wide, and uh, they wouldn't bow down. And, of course, the emperor got all incensed and screwed his face up and got matter in a wet hen and said now listen if you fellas don't do this and the the aramaic is is graphic what it really says is see this shoot over here i'm going to throw you in the shoot and you're going into the furnace just throw you in the shoot right like they've got a, a a clothes shoot or something where they throw people into a furnace which maybe they did i don't know but that's what he was going to do but that's what god does to men he's got a shoot and he just throws them in that was the fake god the fake God and the real God though he he does that he promises to do it that's how I know he does it and he says he's going to do it the only question is is the evidence of the record of what he said true and I'm convinced it is but that's what we see people doing I agree and now Daryl made the point that uh, and I've asked myself this, uh, where were my great grandparents when the income tax was passed and my grandparents, well, they were there too. What were they thinking? Of course, I give them a break and I say, well, I know what they were thinking. I knew some of them and I, I know what their lives were like. They were just beating themselves up, trying to have enough to eat, uh, working in the oil field and my, some of my granddads did and trying to farm and raising some chickens and minding their own business and. That's the way it was back then. And the useful idiots of the evil empire knew that they could get away with it. There was no internet, no television. Radio wasn't even available in that part of the world because they didn't even have electricity to hook up a radio unless they bought a battery radio, which some did. So I understand there's a difference in culture.
2: Brent, don't forget that when it was originally passed, it was only levied on the top 1% or 2%.
3: Well, that's right, too. But the camel got his nose under the tent, and the pig got his nose under the fence, and here we are, and now they're ravaging us, uh, and it was—it's beyond. And this whole co- coronavirus thing—it seems to me—it's beyond what any man could have contrived, because it has been in increments. This didn't just happen. Yeah. For of course, in the immediate past, we see the—the the, um, there was the the Spanish flu, and then the swine flu, and and they found out what they could do in all those situations. This Spanish flu was a—that wasn't. There was nothing to that. Uh, They wanted to see how far they could push it. They tried to quarantine two of my daughters at an education institution when the swine flu came. And then uh, they said, we don't want to do that. We're not doing that. And they said, well, you have to. Oh, they pushed them hard. They brought doctors in to try to emotionally beat them up. Finally, they said, call my dad, mom, call dad. And uh, I didn't know much about the legalities of it. It all kind of blindsided me and. I just, so I do, when you doubt, by the way, when you doubt things, just say no, uh, yep. when you doubt whether or not a warrant is good, just say, don't even look at, just say, no, it warrants no good. Uh, if you think you're right and you have a feeling you're right, say it, don't hesitate, don't be intimidated because in most cases the, 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 the useful idiots of the evil empire are not right. And who are they? Well, the government employees are a good start. The people that work for the government want to keep their jobs. Oh, somebody says, oh, there's some good ones out there, some good sheriff's deputies, some good prison guards. Well, the burden's on them to show. I know there probably are. But I imagine most all of them, to a man and a woman, would do what they're told just to keep their jobs. That's why, by the way, that's why they're saying in some of these states, whatever we do, we got to make sure that the government employees are paid. Illinois is asking for what, twenty-five billion dollars, or some crazy thing, just to keep the retirement of school te- teachers up, so that nobody who's you, working now for, now for the government will will not feel like that they're being kept right, and and the government's going to be reliable. Because if they don't have those folks, then they're not going to be able to keep this ruse going. It's just like Machiavelli said: pay the Pay the, pay the soldiers. If you don't pay anybody else, pay, pay them the soldiers. because you can enforce your will with them. Well, that's what we see going on here. Brent, there was uh, an uh, the
2: interview there with Greg, Hinter, uh, Greg, Hinter, Greg, Greg Hunter on Wednesday with a guy that you've probably seen him. He writes for The New American, but he's kind of a freelance journalist for other publications. He's real sharp, okay, and uh, most of it was on pension, and the pension disaster that's looming. I didn't mention that in our economic cause and effect soliloquy earlier a big part of that and a lot of the reason is you just hit on it school teachers and what he went over was the amount of people on these public pensions and it wasn't just isolated to illinois there's a bunch of them up there that make four hundred and five hundred thousand dollars plus a year in their retirement and they were teachers
3: no i i've met them i know who you're talking about i know what's going i i get it it's madness, utter madness. But they don't care. They don't care. They wanna get their will and fill their lusts and that's what it's all about. And I've heard school teachers, oh, they claim they're conservatives, but then they say, But I better not touch my retirement. Remember, that's why Blagojevich, Governor of Illinois, went to federal prison because he was a Democrat. The Democrats put him in office and then he said, We gotta do something here. This isn't gonna work. We're gonna go down the tubes and boy he pressed onto it and so what they do? They accused him of uh, saying cuss words on the telephone—that's all that amounted to. Of course, the little old school teachers that were on the jury—they weren't going to tolerate him cussing. Now, see, that's how that works. Well, you besides know that, he was after—he was after their pensions. You see, what the so. this
2: is another good uh, uh, attaboy for Mister Trump, because the Democrats, of course, are trying to parlay everything they can out of this. You know, never let a good crisis go to waste. And in this past yeah. couple of days, this week from Pelosi and that crew, they're trying Uh, to get Trump to bail out Illinois and all these states. And Trump stands up and said, we're not bailing out mismanagement of 30 years.
3: Oh, it's worse than that, but that's true. But it's even much worse than that. You know, the the viciousness of Mm -hmm. the left, they're murderous. You know, George Ryan, a governor before Blagojevich, he went to federal prison too. George Ryan was straight. He was white-hearted, straight man. He was, he was solid. And what he said was, "I, you guys turn these um, these black men over me to put on death row and execute. Of course, they're executed to his order because he's in charge of the prison system. He's the executive branch. You're, you're convicting them with a jury. You're turning them over to me. And I'm supposed to examine whether or not that due process was followed. And I've examined it. And you're railroading these black folk out of Chicago and then asking me to kill them. I ain't going to do it no more. You fellas straighten up this uh, the court system, get your prosecutors lined out so that they observe due process and don't do like they did General Flynn. I'm not defending General Flynn, but I'm making the point. And what happened to General Flynn happened to me. What happened to General Flynn happened to people that I've tried to defend. It's, it's commonplace. didn't surprise me. Matter of fact, what happened to General Flynn was mild. They were going to line him up and shoot him down. Oh, we'll get the SOB, they said. All we got to do is get him to lie and then get him to confess to something he didn't do. We'll have him over a barrel. We'll go after his son. Then we'll go after his wife. Then we'll go after his mother-in-law. Oh, we can get this boy down, kick the, kick the stuffings out of him, and then we'll pitch him to the curve. And who's next? Well, that's what they're doing. They've been doing it for years, and this gal that's supposedly defending him, all of a sudden, she's been a federal prosecutor for 10 years. All of a sudden, she's a hero. No, she was part of the problem. These people will do anything to get attention and, and try to get notoriety and fill their lust. But the bottom line is you're part of the problem, and you're, then all of a sudden, you become the solution, and you're famous uh, you say, well, you want to be famous, Brent? No, I know men that have been in federal courts for 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, fighting like fighting like madmen against this kind of madness. Nobody ever heard their names. Why? Because they weren't working for the government. They were defending people, and they were doing it without any money in many cases. And their suits are threadbare, and they're going Ooh. into court and arguing constitutional <laughs> rights and... Was, anywhere. Go ahead.
2: Who was that attorney out of Jackson Hole that always wore all the cowboy garb that was so celebrated twenty years
3: ago? Jerry
2: S Jerry Yeah, Right.
3: Yeah. He made he made his living, made his fortune, got his start for years uh, defending insurance companies, then all of a sudden He had a come-to-Jesus meeting kind of thing and said, I ain't going to do this no more. Well, that's where you made your fortune. That's where you learned everything. That's who buttered your bread, and now all of a sudden you're a good guy. That reminds me of Alfred Noble. Alfred Noble stole from an Italian, stole from an Italian boy the discovery of nitroglycerin. He was in school with him down in Italy. Stole it. Took it back to Sweden used it to try to his he had developed the landmine trying to sell it to the russians while the russians were at war with sweden he tried to sell his landmine because the swedes wouldn't buy it so they he sold it to the russians made a fortune then he made nitroglycerin up there in sweden blew the factory up blew up a lot of other people too and the the stockholm said get your blasted factory out of here he took it out on a a barge out in the water offshore Blew that thing up. Finally, he discovered if he soaked it in clay, that it was inert until you wanted it to blast. And he took a word out of the Greek New Testament called dynamite, uh, dunamis. And he called it dunamis because dunamis is potential power, power under control. It it was only uh, revealed at the control of the blaster. And he named it dynamite. And then he made a fortune with dynamite. Then he made a fortune in art- artillery, landmines, dynamite, blowing people up. And now what What did he do with his money? got Well, he had to come to Jesus meet. And he said, oh, my goodness, uh, uh, this is terrible. War is terrible. Now I'm going to take all my money and, and make a, a prize out of it for people that promote peace, the Nobel Prize. It, it's, it's among humanity. And, it is and- pandemic among men. That they live their lives evil, get what they want, and then all of a sudden they're good guys. And we give it
2: to such <laughs> yeah, exemplary but, examples as Barack Hussein Obama.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, it, then well, it just listen. Just, I, uh, go ahead. I,
5: I have a I have a nice little uh, thank you for the uh, bringing out uh, Mr. Nobel. This is uh, he and uh, Warren Buffett and uh, Bill Gates. Uh, these are Excellent examples of uh, misanthropes masquerading as philanthropists, and uh, yeah, this is they're they're actually they're actually misanthropes. They hate they hate man. They hate mankind. And uh, of course, it it isn't the Holy Spirit or a conscience of uh, of Christ or the Gospel that sets upon them. It's their legacy. Uh, and uh very concerned about their legacy and uh so they're they're interested in managing their their legacy and they have to rehabilitate they have to use billions of dollars to rehabilitate through propaganda into the minds of people uh that they are philanthropists and then they they pervert the the meaning of what a philanthropist is is, or
2: philanthropy
5: so uh,
7: this is those were this is
5: this is somebody. It's actually Yeah, I was going to say philanthropy are, is philanthropy. In my opinion, in my opinion, philanthropy is somebody who's trying to masquerade as uh, Christian values without Christ. So,
2: you mentioned three people there: Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Who was the other one? You remember?
7: Uh, oh. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and, well, and Alfred you know,
2: Nobel gay uh, nobel Nobel. okay well gates we know his litany and his father and what he did and can see where that the acorn didn't fall too far from the tree but mr buffett is an entirely different animal and i don't know if anybody's gone back his father was a senator u.s senator from nebraska i'm not sure for how many years do you know how long he was up there brent
3: no, I don't.
2: Well, if don't. you've ever read any of his writings, he was an absolute solid gold bug. Total hard money advocate in his writings. If you read them, you can't believe his son turned out over there hobnobbing with the Rothschilds. Because yeah, that that's acorn that's what, that's what. fell a long way from the tree.
3: Yeah, and his uh, Warren Buffett son was on the board of ADM up in Decatur, Illinois lived out in a little town yeah. nearby. And of course, that all went down the tubes. But these folks have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if you meet them, it's like in the Bible, it says, when we finally see the the man that rules the world, we'll, we'll look at him and we'll go, this is the man that rules the world? Because yeah. he'll be a twerp. He'll yep. just be a twerp. And he builds himself up. I, I remember reading a book, oh, i had been before, 10, 15 years ago, about Charlemagne. And the name of the book was The Making. Of Charlemagne. Well, you know, Charlemagne made up like they had paintings of him and all of his ostentatious garb and his entourage around him. Charlemagne was just a. today we call him a peasant. He was a. He was a a German. He d- he didn't like to dress up in all those fancy clothes. He was a promotion from start to finish. The, as they used to say about the Holy Roman Empire, it wasn't Roman and it wasn't holy. It was just a big promotion. Is all it was. And Charlemagne was part of that promotion. Charlemagne, in this case, though, Charlemagne wasn't that bad a guy. He's a pretty good guy. What he liked to do was go back to Saxony, put on his old traditional garb, and just do what people do at home. And they, of course, made him up like he was a big deal and used him. Evil men used Charlemagne to try to promote their empire as though it was something. Well, that's what's happening with Bill Gates. Bill Gates, not his father, of course, was the world's chief abortionist, he hated the ones are racist and wanted to get rid of little black babies as I'd said before and and uh, the money that Bill Gates I'm fully convinced just you see in the pattern of the way things work in the evil empire. I'm fully convinced that he doesn't know jack squat about computers. I've said this and you've disagreed with me some Roger, but I I don't know that he does. He was given a lot of money. He was given a lot of position. He was sent to Harvard. He didn't graduate. He's never finished anything he's done. He's just a man that's out there murdering people and having fun. And his uh, wife, I don't know what I wouldn't want to meet Mm -hmm. her dark alley. I don't know who she is. But it's, um, that yeah. goes, uh, with all these, when, when money gets involved back to, she was river. an employee. Oh. I believe Brent.
2: that he, she was employed at Microsoft. I believe how they, they met now, Brent, this past week, we covered a little bit of insight into that. Cause I watched a 30 minute, 40 minute interview with the now deceased Paul Allen, who was his boyhood friend from 13. It was the two of them that grew up through all this. Okay. And it oh. turns out. Paul Allen, even though they both could code and whatnot, Paul Allen was Uh the guy that wrote most of the code and was the coding genius behind the two. And he was the one that saw the first computer. They saw some little computer, the Radio Shack kind of things or something. And he called, the story he told, he said, I called Bill and I said, I got this computer I found in an ad And they found one, and they'd never even had one to work with, but they wrote the code beforehand. And he went to the computer company and pitched, we can write your code, and he took this already written code they'd already written, and they plugged it in the machine, and it worked by, by the grace, and that's how they got started. But it was Paul Allen that found the computer and that did the demonstration and everything else. And then Bill Gates... In, insisted that he get 60 percent of the company yeah. and gates get yeah. 40 and he was saying yeah. I was there in the office went late one night and walked past the office and Bill's talking with this guy he'd hired to run the do a CFO or something and they're talking about how they're going to cut me out entirely and Paul Allen burst into the into the uh, gates's office and confronted him with it and it was after that he left with 40 percent. So there there's a uh-huh, little bit yeah. of insight. Oh all by uh, the way, and I didn't mention the other day, he said working for him was like working for a tyrant. He said they'd get into in the boardroom, they'd get into arg- yelling arguments that would last three and four hours. I
5: yeah. believe it. Well there's 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 more here. Uh Bill Gates' father was uh deeply involved in the intelligence community. Yes. Uh Jeff Bezos' uh stepfather was deeply involved in the intelligence I lost community. You. Uh
3: there. Uh these these He's uh, there,
2: Brent. It might be on yeah, your go ahead. end.
3: Okay. You. Okay. I'm back. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Yeah, so uh
5: these uh, all these people uh bill Gates and bezos for example uh, th- these are just examples it it goes on and on and on uh <clears throat> they they are they are live action role players uh, larps uh the, the the mythology the mythology of bill gates is is a well well manicured and refined uh mythology and uh, Jeff Bezos, another, another mythology, uh, this goes back on and through throughout history. Uh, you, you have to build a persona for these people. A, this is, this is what entices people into the narrative. And, uh, so, uh, Listen, Jeff Bezos gets a six hundred million dollar contract from uh, the CIA for cloud cloud storage and computation, and what does he turn around the next month and he spends two hundred fifty million dollars and buys out the Washington Post. Yeah. So he gets a a six hundred million dollar contract from the deep state, which is which is basically. Um, you know, uh, the you know managed by. I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the deep state is actually administrated and run by a company, a corporation called uh, uh, Circo and uh, out of out of uh, the city of London. And uh, they uh, they they buy whatever they want. Uh, Jeff Bezos has made billions of dollars by getting less than cost on shipping through the United Postal Service. And uh, nobody else can do that, you know, but yeah. Jeff Bezos can't. Yeah.
2: So he's not yeah. only, Darrell, less than cost. Yeah. They have to go in on Sunday and deliver Amazon yeah. packages. Yeah. If I so, might. So this isn't
6: issue may. Chris? <laughs> go ahead. Well, let's go back to Mr. Gates' father, the senior who uh, was at the place where they developed the baby murder factory to plan parenthood with Margaret singer. And I think some would be surprised if they would take a visual assessment of young Mrs. Margaret singer and look at the striking similarities between her and her offspring, I guess illegitimate as he is Billy Gates of hell. And I think you'll find a very strong
2: physiognomic make
6: appearance. And don't forget his mother.
2: He, his daddy was working for the government and all that stuff, but his mother worked at IBM. <laughs> this
5: is all coincidence. <laughs> you're talking you about coincidence.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it is. These
5: are all coincidences. Quinky Dinky. I have something here for Brent. I have something here for Brent because Brent, you're you're uh, you're a reader. I know you are, and uh, I have a. Uh, I have a really uh, important, uh, important book for you, and uh, it, it's going to take a little effort on your part to uh, to get it and read it. But uh, I highly recommend it, and the book is uh, uh, it's a, it's one hundred and fifty nine pages, and uh, it's by uh, uh, H. G. Wells. It's written written in about uh, 1898, published in 1901, and the name of the little book is called Anticipations. Anticipations. It's by H. G. Wells, and um, H. G. Wells was a deep initiate of this uh, long-term uh, plan, and uh, throughout. His adult life after uh, through World War One and after the World War he had a lifelong uh, ongoing uh, sexual adulterous relationship with Margaret Sanger and uh understand that H.G. Wells during World War One was in charge of uh, propaganda for the the British intelligence so if you if you read the little book of anticipations. Uh, published in 1901, he talks about exactly the methodology and the reason why and how through eugenics they will achieve what is being realized at this very moment. At this very moment. If you read the Book of Anticipations, you go, how can he be so uh, prophetic? Uh, Well, the, the plan was devised a long time ago. Now it, it talks. It, he talks in in some broader strokes, but it's 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 actually quite detailed, and uh, uh, it, it also very much of what he talks about coincides with method, strategy, and tactic, which is observed in the protocols of Zion too. So uh, I have the books. I've read them. Uh, there's a trilogy, and I highly recommend the trilogy because the print is bigger. <laughs> You know, you can you don't don't get the small print version, uh-huh. but the three books that you can get in a trilogy. It's called a nonfiction. This is nonfiction by H. G. Wells. Just none of this uh-huh. is fiction, and the three the three volume uh, books they all come in one binder. It's called Anticipations, The Open Conspiracy, and wait for it, the New World Order. Uh-huh. okay, by H.G. Wells, okay, and uh, he he lays it out really good, okay, and you, you read those, you read those, and uh, nothing that you're seeing or hearing now will surprise you, uh, and uh, not many people have read these books, by the way, these are these are very, and they're not they're, talked about,
2: they're obscure,
6: and spoke of too
2: they're much, obscure. I have a question yeah. for the room,
6: go ahead, I go have up. a question for the room, I know I've read it somewhere, but H.G. Well was his pen name moniker. I cannot recall what his original birth name was, but I'm pretty sure
3: that wasn't it. I don't know the answer. Mm. to that. Don't Do you know, Daryl?
5: I, 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 uh, I actually, uh, I, <clears throat> uh, you know, I wouldn't put anything past these people because you know H.G. Uh, um, Orwell wasn't uh, uh, who wrote uh, 1984 in Animal Farm. That was that was his pen name. Was uh, George Orwell? But uh, short of short of seeing some other documentation, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying it isn't so, Chris. I just I just don't have oh. any uh, factual Can basis I? to back up that he he was using a pen name.
2: Historically, so. it goes Go in England back to around Shakespeare, doesn't it? People using pen names? Yeah, Uh, with Francis
5: Bacon. Yeah. With Francis Bacon being Shakespeare. Um, The
2: center point uh, of that was anticipation, and I was anticipating Bob would call and check in with us, and I'll be darned if he didn't. Hey, Bob. You
6: have great anticipatory skills, right? Yes,
2: yes. It's my negative blood type. Hey,
6: uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. All right. I can buy that. Greetings to all. Hey, um, going back a little bit, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, Roger, you said something, and I'm going to make an allegory here and see if you guys can figure out where I'm heading. Have any of you, hypothetically, or even in real life, have you ever been awarded a medal for first place before the contest starts? Has that ever (laughs) happened in your life? Uh, Does anyone know where I'm headed here?
7: No. No.
6: I have. Barack Hussein Obama was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, that's ludicrous on its face, but yes. even more telling is the fact that it was awarded before there was any track record to base it on.
2: So, yes, correct.
6: What it really points to, absurd as it is, what it really points to is the fact that this crowd, whomever they might be, were so thrilled with their achievement that they were congratulating themselves.
2: He was merely,
6: he was merely the figurehead. Yep. They were congratulating themselves in the press for the world to see, wow, we've done it, we're in control. Because on his face, there's no merit. And in retrospect, there's less merit to him even being considered for the Peace Prize. It's it's just absurd.
2: You know. Absurd. Brent, all those little funny things that are going around. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> there was one that floated around yesterday. It said quarantine day thirty two. It is a picture of Michelle Obama with a thirty two day beard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you may as well laugh, but that's <laughs> sick. Somebody sent that's me a funny. a tweet from uh, Chelsea. The little Chelsea, a tweet that said that it's time that we lose our bigotry or get rid of our bigotry, or uh, over uh, Barack Obama marrying a tranny.
2: Oh, she said that. Now,
3: that's a tweet. Well, now, it looked real to me. I never know whether it's something photoshopped. You don't know. Yes. But it's obvious, oh. it's obvious from all the evidence I've seen that that's. Well, still is, and it's obvious from some Michael, of the you, evidence I've seen, Barack Hussein Obama would uh, he would engage in sex with anything that would hold still long enough, <laughs> and uh, and he's tried everything. By the way, we're, we're talking about some sick. Yes, we sick, are.
2: People, you, I know, sick. Brent, I know, I I know I sent you this one, and it was a gun shop where they've got the signs they can put up in in the gun shop sign. And and the comment was, Joe Biden's twice the man that Michelle
7: Obama was.
3: Yeah. Man, you're talking about some weird creatures. It's (laughs) no wonder to me that people say, hey, these people are reptiles. (laughs) Well, when you start acting that way, there are going to be plenty of people that are going to say you're a reptile. (laughs) Uh, You're cold-blooded. You're not human because they do everything that they can possibly do to get rid of their humanists. If it were possible, it's not possible, well, but they're trying to do it. Go ahead.
5: Well, Brent, uh, I mean, this is a great segue for some uh, some uh, discussion and observation on the esoteric here. Uh, so, trans transgender, transsexual, and transhuman all goes into the transformation. And uh, if we go back to uh, to Lucifer, the um uh, if you were to ask, if you were to ask a lot of people, uh, I, I would suggest that most people would assign a gender or a uh, a sex, if you will, uh, whatever term you want to use, uh, to Lucifer and Satan as male. Uh, they would either subconsciously just assign that perspective onto it. Mm-hmm. And uh don't you do you do you agree or disagree yeah, with I that? Agree with do, that. You, do you think well, most people would Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we think and, of him. They all agree, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So in, in actuality in actuality, uh, through Freemasonry and reading Albert Pike's book, Morals and Dogma and studying the esoteric and the occult, uh I've done this. Uh it's uh if if you think the Elders of Zion is uh disgusting, Roger S- spend several months digging into the occult. Uh, I don't really recommend it unless you have the Holy Spirit protecting you. Because it's very powerful and it's dark. But Lucifer, uh, through Freemasonry and their teaching and the secret mystery schools and the esoteric and the occult, is uh he's androgynous. Uh, this this I, I I just said he it, it is an androgynous entity. It is neither male or female. Uh this is represented in by the Owl of Moloch and by Baphomet which is transgender correct. transsexual and uh it the adversary is the perversion of the feminine divine and this is uh part of their seed line which uh they ascribe to themselves and this is why they are into goddess worship and i would uh, i i'm taking some big steps here and uh and i sort of kind of doing this as a summation outline in that, this is part of the basis of of uh, the uh, Luciferian Judaism, uh, and they're identifying you know, on a matrilineal line uh, vis-a-vis goddess worship of the feminine divine, and uh, which identifies it as a Luciferian uh, uh, religion. Um, so, uh, if you look at uh, what are some other symbologies of this? Uh, the Statue of Liberty is not a woman. It's a man in drag. Uh, and uh, it's a, the standing there in the water with its arm up as a light bearer and the star halo on its head. Uh, this is you know they can they can they can uh, tell you that the Washington Monument is for Washington, the founder, and it it is the big giant stone dildo penis of uh, ah. of uh, Nimrod uh, sexual organ. and uh, this is this is also in the uh, the symbology. Is also in the uh, Vatican in Rome uh, in the square with the uh, the Freemason uh, um, obelisk. They they have their stone penis there, and uh, so this is this is all Luciferian uh, goddess worship, and uh, and it's all right there in front of your face, and they're laughing at you. They they are punking you. You
6: have been punked. Hey, yeah, uh- yeah add a little to the Gerald's commentary? It's my discerned opinion that the true name of this um, androgynous male-female hermaphroditic entity is baal fa Uh Going back to the origination, of course they've shortened it up and changed the name to something a little easier to pronounce than origination, but also that female goddess Epigy, the tranny that you pointed out that I hadn't actually perceived that, although it doesn't surprise me at this point. They call her Persephone, but those of us like Brent and others that have some knowledge of ancient languages, Greek and Latin, realize that if you say that in broken parts, it's per se phoning. and I think that's most appropriate.
2: Uh, you, are you saying that Persephone yeah. is the Statue of Liberty?
6: No, the female goddess deity atop the Capitol dome. Yes, in the that's correct. Of criminals.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, where I first or became could, aware of that was in, uh, um, oh, uh, our guy uh, that wrote uh, Rulers of Evil. Um, his name escapes me right now. I can't believe it. Uh, but
5: it it's, it's, in, it's in Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, too, is though, it? which precedes that. Albert Pike was trying to tell people, but he knew that they they wouldn't read it or listen or care. Uh, this is why Persephone. You can interchange Persephone and Columbia. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, it's the district of the district of Columbia. Okay. So this is goddess worship. Listen, you put a statue of the ruler on top of of your buildings and your authority, and and she has dominion over this. Okay. And then you have talismans on all your what you call money and currency. These are talismans. And then you offer them to God as a contribution. You right. tithe, right. you tithe demonic talismans to God. Does he, does he really care, God the Father? You're tithing to a church with, with Luciferian currency, really? Okay, <laughs> how absurd.
3: Okay.
1: No,
5: well, so anyway, I. I, I just did I just uh, provoke something there?
3: What do you think, Brent? No, of course you did. That was your purpose and we're glad you do. <laughs> we must provoke thought on all of this, the simplicity, to bring it even back further. Paul wrote the book of Galatians. Paul the apostle wrote the book of Galatians directed against this feature of Babylonian Judaism, which is a feature of all Babylonian religion, it is the the feminization of God, the confusion of the sexes, and particularly in Babylonian Judaism, which Paul the Apostle was a upcoming yellow-haired boy. He was the man. He was part of Babylonian Judaism. He knew it as good as anybody. Had the equivalent of about three doctor's degrees and all that filth. And uh, he wrote the Book of Galatians to the Gauls, the Celtic people that lived in the central part of Asia, he, or Asia Minor. He said, uh, the worship of angels is being pushed on you by the Judaizers. And he said, it's wrong, the worship of angels. What kind of angels? Well, then, the female angel. The whole idea of the female angel rose out of Babylonian Judaism. The angel you put on top of your Christmas tree is a female. There are no female angels in the Bible, except in one instance, you see them, and they're both very evil. Very evil. So in all other instances that are represented as males, I'm reminded of that story. That Bruce Metzger used to tell. Bruce Metzger was professor of New Testament language and literature at Princeton until, well, he hasn't been gone that long, but there wasn't anybody in the world that knew more about the manuscripts of the Newer Testament than Bruce Metzger. That was what he focused and gave the flower of his whole life to. And the um, He, uh, was on a lot of Bible translations team. He was a fundamentalist, but he was on the translation team because people would ask him, would you come and be a part? Because they wanted him to, they wanted to use his name to make sure their Bible sold. Well, he was glad to do that because he thought he could exert a little influence, maybe in the right direction and nudge people in the right direction that were otherwise off entirely. And, uh, in one particular instance, the translation that occurred before the New American Standard had been back in the 60s, uh, the 50s. It was the one that raised such a a roar in America, all over the English-speaking world. And uh, troops in in Europe were uh, forbidden. American troops in Germany were even forbidden forbidden to possess it or read it by order of command. And that translation translated in Isaiah didn't say born of a virgin. It said born of a young girl, I believe, or a maid. I forget the, the Hebrew word Alma. Well, he was involved in those, but uh, he tried to push it in the right direction. One time, one of the gals, one of the gals on the translation team came to him with a proposal and said, we must, and this time has come that we make God a woman. We need to change the pronouns from feminine or from masculine to feminine and on and on and on this lesbian minded woman went and, uh, was a very, he was, uh, he was a calm, kind, even keeled man, typical kind of a professor, kind of a guy. He didn't get excited about things and he was always balanced in his point of view. And he said, well, I understand your point. He said, I see what you're saying. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll go along with it. I'll even help you with it. But only on one condition, and that is if we make the devil a woman too, and make change all the pronouns in the Bible and make those all fem, or, uh, yeah, feminine. Well, that was the end of that discussion, and it never happened in that particular case. Confusion of genders is the hallmark of Babylonian religion it comes under a thousand different labels but if you go to Romanism what do you see that's Babylonian religion you see confusion of genders oh I just well Roger you sent me this uh clip about this this uh monastery on Mount Athos yeah I'd heard heard of it never well there's never been a woman I've not been a woman up there in a thousand years Roger they won't even let the only cats they'll have up there are tomcats. They won't let female cats up there. Wow, It's been that way for a thousand years. But that's sex perversion. So what do you get? You get queer boys. That's what you get. Don't tell me. Don't tell me they're not abusing each other up there. That's monkery from start to finish from, from the earliest centuries of the church. Just go read the history. But who's got time to read it? But no, that's part of monkery is homosexuality. It's always been part of monkery. That's why Henry VIII conducted the course, very astute. He said, "These uh, Rome owns a third to half of the of the land in England. We got to do something about it because now they're taking money off those rents and profits, hiring an army to invade us with their own money." And I know Henry the Eighth was no saint, but he had that much right. And he commissioned a study, like Reagan did with the pornography study, and Reagan also did with the the Grace Commission before he acted. He wanted a study to back him up, and he. He um, commissioned a commission to study the monasteries and what they found out was going on inside the monasteries would make a man puke non-stop. The perversion of sex, the abuse of children and women and nuns and the burying of bodies and you you think it's bad now what we're hearing. We we can't imagine. These things are part of the evil empires, perversion of sex. Babylonian Judaism is shot through with it. It's... The, the Talmud says it's okay to have sex with boys as long as they're under nine years old, little girls if they're under three, and that just gets crazier from there. Is it any accident? That's that, That's what we see in the news of all the people that are votaries of that religious point of view, and then Romanism, you see the priest, it's a pedophilia ring, always has been, and then you look at Islam, Islam, oh yeah, Pedophilia is part of the culture. Why? Well, because the law of Islam is not the statutes, commandments, and judgments. They don't have any. What do they have? They have the life of Muhammad. What did he do? Well, he likes sex with little girls, lots of them. So you've got that as part of their law, their culture. Always, always, and that's just three of the visible ones, but it's always true. The Bible says, Paul, the apostle says, do not forbid to marry. Don't do that. Why? Well, you get what you get with romanism, a monkery and the priesthood. That's what you get. It's ugly, it's vicious, it's murderous, it's sick. You told me down there in South America, Roger there was a school for the blind run by the roman church and what oh, a better yeah. setup. No, oh. deaf, the deaf deaf what a better setup to abuse little boys that are That's deaf correct. and they they got caught finally they did but then they just do it but, again and but the again guy and had and been, again.
2: the guy had been there for decades it was in mendoza city up there that they caught that i'd forgotten all Hello, about that stephanie. and we got stephanie hey stephanie i was calling you back dear how you doing today
1: good how are you doing we're nice hanging. y'all and we're
2: doing all we are doing alright
1: thanks for that. yeah i was I was um, got all fired up because uh, Brent Allen Winters was on People's Patriots Soapbox Network and um, said, you know, they had a parade for Christy Nome, the government. and um, and then it, this all ties into what you're talking about because she's nothing, you know, but a Babylonian whore. And I said, Brent, and I sent you, you know, a whole list. Of things that she's involved in, and the, I mean um, the corruption is cruel. Um, you know she she's just like she. Well, and and then what I was sending bread um, in tax. All these governors in in South Dakota, and every single one of them, and I'm not done yet either. I mean, it's all corruption and tied to this money, and you know, enslaving the people and stuff. But I, I wanted to to read this to you too, Roger. And it's like, oh, and um, um so um, just a second here. I lost my page there.
7: Okay, we, oh,
2: we've still got you, Stephanie. I, well, oh, didn't it? Yes. Wasn't it the governor? Wasn't she a female governor of South Dakota that refused to shut the state yes. down? Yes. That she walked out, and the well, people well, were giving her a spontaneous parade or something that she hadn't even been informed of.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so then, here, let me let me give you a couple of these. It says, okay, so Dave Nelson quits politics. Blast corruption at Nome regime. CPS family court um, um, enslaving the people and the kids and um, have doubled um, have doubled the the homes that they have for foster kids because they get money for like eighty dollars per kid if they're Native American and plus all the Medicare Medicaid um, and then they drug them they can drug them um, and and so they've taken the kids and then um, and then another kid had gotten taken because he was truant and they have changed all of the laws in South Dakota, Chapter 13 in the education or, or um, that law there and so if your kid is um, tru- or truant then they can take him so they did to my good friend or not, she wasn't a good friend but I've been a little um, talking to her for a while, we've um, been visiting, um, Don Fulkins, her kid, 17-year-old could kid, they th- throw him in uh, Custer Boot Camp, and um, um, he was smoking a little pot, and they said, you know, we're going to put him in there, he, and they took took him, Didn't. and she lived in Brookings, and this was down in Custer, South Dakota, so it's like seven hours away Oh. They threw him in there, drugged him with all these drugs, which it um, which it was like um, he, he was allergic to this uh, medicine, like for they take for acne and stuff as kids, and they gave him.
6: Oh.
1: Take it all, pay pay. Talk about the murder, and it um, and, and it said that um, I mean said so that he um, had Dotley the release custody back to her and then gave her all the bills. So yeah. she, you know, Don, my friend, she, called, she shows up down in Custer, they call, and and Brady had, had written a journal um, and uh, she hadn't been feeling well, and they don't let you see anybody, and it's around Christmas time. And so then she's she said, "Well, they said Don, you need to stay out here a minute because um, something's going on. He, he he's he's not. He, something's wrong with him medically. So you know, they take him to Custer Hospital, which is no hospital at all. And you would think you'd go to Rapid City, which is an hour and a half away. They don't. They wait." They wait, they wait until later, maybe three hours later, and and then um, they said, you need to get in your car, dog, and go back to Sioux Falls and have him go to the hospital over there, and they take him, and not forever, she gets in the car, takes off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like five hours away, and or more. She gets there in the hospital, and they won't let her come in the hospital. And she's but her sister's there, and and she's like, they said um, he, they're working on him, which was a lie. And they said he, so she, Dawn says she walked in the in there with Brady, and he was blue, and and he just they they said, you know he was they gave um, everything custody back to her, sent her with all these bills, killed her, covered it up, and she's been fighting this for so many years and, you know, said, you know, we're, we're going to take your other son if you don't shut your mouth. And she's been going along. she's got fired from her job. And, I mean, it... it you know, so the, the home in um, South Dakota, there is so much money that the government's getting off of there. And, and then so, you know, we've got the Lakota People's Project, which you're, you, you, you don't have any due process. And you go in 20-second 20, 20 hearing, and there is no due process for kids. And CPS, APS, you go in there, you're not even present, And they take your kids. Well, this one, this and, and this ties into all these foster kids. They get money. They'll get like the churches get involved. You could you have to buy kids for like twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars, um, and then the church um, Luther, Lutheran social services gets involved. You have to buy the And then um, you have to take the parenting classes. You have to take um, foster parent classes. They take these kids and give them to you and steal from the parents without any. And it's not it's not Native American. It's every kid, and they get you in that system because it's all money. You have money for counselors, for judges.
3: Oh yeah, and then they make you pay the counselors. $100 Hundred dollars an hour, and all that baloney. Or they'll if you don't do that, then they'll send you to jail. I've seen that too, Stephanie. I've talked to this gal you're talking about. They murdered her son, and all she wants is some. She wants to make things right a little bit, and they won't even talk to her. She's beside herself. And then I went to the internet and I read about the case. It's overwhelming. Who, who's going to do anything oh, yeah. about it? I'll tell you. Don't yeah, real. Don't send your children to the. Government schools, that's what you'll get, maybe. And if you get by without it, you're just fortunate. It's evil what they're doing. They're stealing children. They're murdering them. They're prostituting them. They're trafficking them. If it doesn't work out, well, too bad. We have sovereign immunity. We just killed your son because he got caught smoking a joint in school. Sorry. Now, I know. I know what you're saying. And I by the way, I got well, all the yeah. things you sent, and it was overwhelming, the things you, yeah, this gal up in South Dakota. Then they were having a so, yes, parade was, for her for just.
1: Rape,
3: go ahead, Stephanie. Go ahead.
1: Was, okay, so this Levy, uh, the um race uh, rape scandal. They took Native American kids into this Aberdeen home and yep. this, this couple, um, and they had many kids. They had torture chambers in there, and they kept they keep sending the kids still back there. Still now, the guy got in jail. He got out. And there's there's still foster parents. So yep. and then well and then okay, so then um we got the uh, farm bill. So Christy Nome gets all this money. She has an insurance agent, she has funders, she there was seventeen hundred pages of that farm bill that you cannot you if if you go have a farm and and you're gonna put your tractor and a cow in there. It is now called a dual process project. And so now they're gonna tax you and they have all these rules and regulations of what you can and can't do with your cows and everything like that. We got fark tax and you're charged a tax for the methane gas. And then they, oh, and then they got this um, thing, it's called a uh, oh I know it's like uh, buy American feed. It, which, you know, that organization or whatever gets money from the federal government to it doesn't work. And, you know, that's why I got kind of all fired up with what Brent uh, Winners had about uh, that guy that was teaching us of actual sound money and how to make money without the banks. Uh, let me oh, you're, t- a what, little bit more. you're talking
3: about that guy interviewed from National Organization of Raw Materials? Yes. Yeah, well, that was a yes. good interview, wasn't it? Right. And by the way, oh, Roger, yes. pardon? What's that, Stephanie?
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I'll just go on to so the federal zone. So, so, Fed State, South Dakota, two corrupt for ED5. And yeah. Noam picks up the ED5 with Tom, caps Jackley, <laughs> gently and immediately $5 million missing. Ex-governor, South Dakota, now senator, South Dakota, corruption, conflict of interest, windmills, energy corruptor. Corruption, eminent, eminent
7: domain. okay, let me tell you, about
1: this, um, you're
2: not, Stephanie, Stephanie, dearly, you don't have time to tell us, we're about to run out of time, uh, appreciate oh, you calling, and going over all this, and unfortunately, you had a little bit of a, bad phone connection and we're clipping in and out but thank you for contributing and at least brent knows about it And we can discuss it more in the future but we're out of time and there's our whistler and i'll just gotcha. suffice with you brent and tell the audience if you want more brent winters you go to commonlawyer.com and if you want more of jim ram live going around the state capital of ohio in protest mode you stay tuned because you're going to hear that for the next hour with Jim. You guys have a good weekend. I want to thank everybody for your contribution. We covered some really important and good issues today. And hopefully you'll ruminate on uh, some of them over the weekend. Maybe even be motivated to go do some research. Maybe. <laughs> See y'all on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Brent. Happy May Day.
6: Thanks. Hasta la vista, baby. Brent, how about on yeah. GL? As
2: opposed to angel,
6: angel.
3: Well, wow. what, what do you Jesus say
6: or for Gamaliel or Genna?
2: Well, noodle hey, on yeah. it, and we can talk about it next Friday. Oh. You guys okay. have a good day.
3: Yeah, bring that back. I want to. Okay. We'll talk.
2: we'll do it. next week. Okay. Angel, angel. Ciao, ciao. For now. Of freedom.
6: Oh!